Welcome to the North Sound Church Podcast. For more information about North Sound Church, please visit our website at northsoundchurch.com. So uh, as we go into this series, um, this generation is desperate to know the power of God. Because the alternative is something out there. And it's eating them alive. I remember doing youth ministry before I was here uh, years ago when we were first married. And in that place uh, where I was serving as a youth pastor, there was a, a lady I met. Her name was Vicki. And Vicki, uh, at one time, her and her husband were in ministry, but something tragic happened. And I met her working in a small town in the, um, the daycare that the church had for the community. But something was extraordinary with Vicki. She was a woman who had experienced tremendous brokenness and loss, and yet was someone who was the closest to Jesus that I had ever met. The word of God flowed through her in such an incredible way. So much so that I said, would you please come and share with our youth? Because she just had this connection with God. That was so tangible. And so as she is uh, sharing to the students, uh, she looks, she stops, she looks up and says, one of you is doubting what I'm saying. And the Lord has shown me who it is. You have a very sore big toe on your right foot. So I stopped everything. I'm like, okay, this is awesome. Okay, guys, let's just, let's just enjoy uh, maybe God's saying something. Does anyone here have a sore right uh, big toe? And Tyler put up his hand and said it was me. And so what that was was a wow. God is real. And I think we need to hear and see more of that and encourage one another in those kind of things. Then one night shortly after, uh, I received one of those phone calls that no one likes to receive. And it was my mom. She was in Vancouver and with, with my father. And he had experienced a massive heart attack. And so I got the call late at night, early in the morning. I packed my, my stuff and I drove out uh, from Spokane to Vancouver. And, uh, but before I left town, I stopped by the daycare. Because I wanted Vicky to pray for me. And as I walk into the, the daycare, there the church, she was there early, getting ready for the students to get dropped off. And I knock on the door, and, and she opens it, and she says, I know. God already told me. I said, thank you. She says, I'm praying for you. And she didn't pray well, of course, we go there, and as we go, I'm praying to God, heal my father, heal my father, heal my father. We prayed and prayed, and, and God lovingly took my father. Didn't feel lovingly at the time, but what that encounter with Vicky that morning did for me was to let me know God was with me. Even in my brokenness and difficult time, God is with me and is with you. But the Holy Spirit, this person of the Holy Spirit, it's, it's the reality that we all get to live in because he was promised for all people regardless of age and gender. And we read about it in the book of Acts, and it's the same promise for us today. During this series, there are some great questions regarding the Holy Spirit that were given to us. One was uh, the fullness of the Holy Spirit in his leading and how we live in today's world. 
Is speaking in tongues real? How do we know if you have that gift? How to receive the Holy Spirit and be born again? And so just to set expectations afterwards, we're going to call you all up and uh, we're going to have a great... No, I'm just kidding you. But, but, after the first service, someone did come up to me, Casey, not you, but she said to me, something happened during worship. When I was, and she's a new believer. When I was worshiping, I felt him. I've never felt that before. Someone else said, I felt that... I know God, God told me something and I wrote it down. I'll share it with you later on. So he's truly active. It's important that we talk about the Holy Spirit because I believe he is the missing link in most of our Christian lives. And yet when we open up the Bible on page one, there he is. It says in the Verse 2 of Genesis chapter 1, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep. So we know he's there. And then the very last page of Revelation in chapter 22, there he is again. And the Spirit and the bride say, come. Let all who are thirsty come. Of course, one of the last things Jesus says when he's going away, he says, as we heard, that he would go away, but that he would send the Spirit, the Comforter, uh, the spirit of truth who will come and guide you. So think about it. Jesus says, I'm going away. The spirit's coming. I will never leave you or forsake you. How does that work? What's interesting about North Sound Church is that we are quite eclectic, and it's a beautiful mosaic here. We come from a variety of backgrounds and experiences, some of us from a charismatic background. I know in talking with some of you, your, your parents have experienced the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in significant ways, seen miracles. I've sat with some of us here, and the tears ju- would just well up as we remember what happened. Some of us come from a Catholic tradition where liturgy led the way. And yet there's a hunger and a desire for more. Others come from mainline denominations, and from others of us, this is our first church experience. And, Yet for all of us, we, as we look at Scripture, we, we must come to a conclusion that there must be more to this Christian life. I mean, we open the book of Acts, and as we begin to read, it's there. I heard of one church that was quite formal, and they were a bit nervous when it came to talking about the Holy Spirit. This woman who had just become a Christian um, was in the worship service and, and she experienced something really special and, and she got really excited in the middle. She stood up and she shouted, Hallelujah! Well, the ushers, being the good men that they are, came over and tapped her on the shoulder and says, You can't say that here. And she says, But I'm so excited. I've got religion. I've experienced Jesus. He says, Well, you didn't get it here, ma'am. Well, that's not us here today. I'm not sure if that's a true story, but it sure fit. <laughs> a few years ago in our discipleship groups, and some of you were in them, we, we began to ask a question amongst ourselves, and this is the question. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you, and what are you doing about it? That is a great question. If I was to sit down with you and we went for coffee and we, we had this, this 
conversation, Walt, and we said, hey, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? Or Robin from Walt to me, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you and what are you doing about it? Well, that would cause me to kind of, hey, before we get for coffee, <laughs> I'm going to go spend some time in prayer. I'm going to read the word of God. I'm going to position myself to, to just receive and want to be obedient. Wouldn't that do that for you? It would for me. But it's a great question that puts our focus on what should be real and normal in our everyday life. So to wrap up the questions that were given to us, I've put it into three words, who, what, and how. Who is the Holy Spirit? What does he do? And how can I be filled with the Holy Spirit? Now, many of us have done Alpha at North Sound Church, and it's a, a tremendous course. If you haven't taken it, I encourage you to do so. In fact, uh, as we go through the 11 weeks, uh, the focus on the Holy Spirit is so important that there's an actual retreat built in so that we can take time and space to engage and learn about the Holy Spirit in a special way. The Hallmark Church in our area that helped us launch Alpha is called Westminster Chapel. They're not known as a charismatic church necessarily, but when we go and get trained, they said this, the Holy Spirit weekend is the most important weekend. We shied away from it. We kind of... Let's not get excited here, but when we just allowed God to move among us, it blew us out of the water. So who is the Holy Spirit? Well, throughout the uh, scripture, he is called by many names. One is the author of scripture, 2 Peter 1, 21. All scriptures God breathed. It's the breath, the spirit of God. He's called the comforter, the counselor, the advocate. He's called the Spirit of Truth, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of life. And in between the covers of the Bible, as we read, specifically in the Old Testament, we see that God came upon particular people at particular times for a particular purpose. Here we have some pictures. Bezalel, and you may not remember much about him, but in the building of the tabernacle, God says, I filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, ability, and knowledge, and all kind of crafts. And when you read how it was constructed, the tapestries, the gold, the, the, the candlesticks, the, the, the bronze uh, bath, the things to wash in for the sacrifices, every, phenomenal. Gideon. We read about the Spirit of God came upon Gideon. Against the battle of the Midianites, he said the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. We remember that story of Samson. These stories that are true, and yet when we talk with our young people, many of whom have never been in church, they're like, never heard of that before. One of our teachers, when she's teaching in the, the classroom, when she says, we're going to read a story of the Bible, we're going to read a true story of the Bible. So often what happens in the Old Testament, in a physical way, happens in the New Testament and in our lives in a spiritual way. So just as God gave Samson that ability to break free from his binding, so the Holy Spirit gives us freedom to break free from the habits and the addictions and the stuff that keeps us spiritually bound. 
And then, of course, Isaiah, remember that? When he writes, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness the prisoners. And as we go through the Old Testament, we see this building up, this, this crescendo to the point where Jesus comes, opens up the scroll of Isaiah and reads this out. This promise of all things that we've been looking for. To give beauty for ashes, for the strength and the power of God to be present among us, for freedom, for compassion, for anointing. So who is the Holy Spirit? Secondly, what does the Holy Spirit do? Well, he's done so much for us. The Holy Spirit is God with us. He is God with you. He is your source of strength and freedom. He brings change in our character. The Spirit gives us power to serve. He fills our hearts with the love of God. I put up this collage of words for you that you could follow along with. But in Romans 8, 1, it says, We are adopted into his family. Those who are led by the Spirit, Romans 8, 1, the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive the spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption through which we cry, Daddy! Abba, Father. What Paul is saying here is that when we, specifically to people in the Roman culture, when you're adopted in, under Roman law, you are given the highest status available. It's not too dissimilar today. I heard a story of a boy who had been adopted and he was being teased in the playground. Any of you here been adopted? Yeah? Come on, there's some of you. Yes, yes, yes. Well, this little one was adopted and he was being teased on the playground and people were teasing him about the fact that he was adopted. And he turned around to the, the children who were teasing him, teasing him and he said, look, my parents chose me. Your parents got stuck with you. <laughs> Donita and I were in Israel with some of you on that trip, if you remember. And when we went to the Dead Sea and we were like, wow, this is just weird how you float in that thing. We heard a little boy cry out, Abba. We're like, I never heard that before. Daddy, I want you. Come play with me. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He brings you into the family of God and every single one of us becomes sons or daughters, prince or princess. It's the highest status. The Holy Spirit is a helper. You see that word up there, who teaches and reminds. It comes from John 14, 26. The coming alongside of a helper, it's advocate, the counselor. He convicts the world of sin. That's John 16, 7 and 8. When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin of righteousness and judgment. The Holy Spirit dwells in the lives of believers. Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, don't you know that you are God's temple and the Spirit of God lives in you? Think about that today. He's the source of wis uh, revelation, wisdom, and power. He guides to all truth and knowledge of what is to come. And all of these have verses. I encourage you, get your Bible. 
open it up. You can start even in John 15 and the surrounding, and highlight every time you see the Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit, and then go into the book of Acts, and then go into the epistles and the letters, and you're going to see the Spirit is all over the place. So if that is true, then the question remains, what's the Holy Spirit saying to you, believer? And what are you doing about it? The Holy Spirit gives spiritual gifts to believers. You can specifically read that in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 and how to work in those gifts. When the Spirit of God fills you, you begin to act out as a conduit of his grace and love and mercy. You begin to help people, love them, bind up the brokenhearted. I love the verse, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is alive in you. That's phenomenal. So what are you doing with that? The gifts, as we read in in the Bible, we think of prophecy and and, and tongues and those things. And we'll talk a little bit about that. I, I like what Paul says. He says, man, I speak in more tongues than all of you. But I'd rather you prophesy because that's edifying, right? Let's not get hung up on certain things that may be a a wow factor when the fruit of the Spirit isn't even coming out. That just doesn't even make sense. The greatest is love. But God gives gifts to his believers, and that kind of is something that happened to me a few years ago, and I may have shared this before, but we were down on the border of Texas in Laredo. Anyone been through Laredo? Right now, it's so dangerous. You don't want to be in Laredo. Um, Donita's parents were missionaries down there, and as they're going down, there's, there's just stuff all over with the cartels and the, the drug stuff. Crazy. But we were there in a little church, a little Hispanic church, and there's about 25 people in the church, and they're all Latinos, and here we are, a nice, bright family in the back enjoying the service because God's doing wonderful things there. And then a fellow comes up the side of the aisle and I thought he was um, someone who just came especially for the service. Found out he was the speaker. He was an African-American fellow. And he was a special guest and as he comes up to the front he says, God gave me a word for this church. Okay, that's great. From Ezekiel, the Valley of the Dry Bones. And he just shared the story of the Valley of the Dry Bones. You know the story of the Valley of the Dry Bones. That's great. Then he said, some of you have dry bones, and I'm going to pray for you. So he called one lady up. said, you have dry bones, and the Lord wants to fill you. Boom, she falls over, right? Like, okay, all right. Uh, God, if he calls me up... No way. I'm just going to decline. Is that okay? And um, my wife says, I'm going go to the bath- I'm gonna go to the bathroom. I'll catch you later. Because <laughs> she's seen some stuff, and some of it's amazing, and some of it's like, all right, all right. But, so she leaves. You come on up here. I'm like, oh, no. He's going to call out all my sin. And I came up. I'm like, I'm done. I'm done. My family's going to know all of my dark secret things, and, and oh, God. So he puts his hand on me, and he says, you've been reaching out to a lot of people, 
and we were. We were doing Alpha here at the church. We were working with international students and a whole bunch of things. She said, he said, something's going to come in the mail, and when it comes, you need to give it back. Like, okay, to the Lord, and he'll bless you. And third, something's going to happen in the area of education and influence that you've never walked in before. And then prayed for me, and I went back and sat down with my own legs. I, I didn't fall over. And then the next person he brought up said, you have dry bones, boom. She falls over. That person falls over. This person gets delivered from something. And it's like, well, God, what was that for me? So I took that envelope out, and I, I, the tithing thing, and I wrote down what I received. Something did come in the mail. And when it came in the mail, I'm like, Donita, we got to give this back to the Lord. And she says, well, I'm keeping mine. You can do what you want with yours. <laughs> so I brought it to the offering here and I put it in. And then an amazing blessing happened. Someone paid for our family to go to Hawaii, uh, which was a story in and of itself. But the third thing was something that we didn't know because I'm like, I'm just serving at North Sound Church. Well, wouldn't you know, Jack, that's when you and I and John Taylor, we go to India to see what God's doing in India. We're invited to partner in India. We help them with some of you help start a uh, community health program. Uh, they wanted agriculture. The third thing was business, right? We're like... I know nothing about business, right? So what can we do? And Barry says, hey, there's a guy, John Sweeney, who's been doing stuff in India. Go tap him on the shoulder. So we did. Hey, John, can you come help us? So we started doing this entrepreneurial thing in India. So you may not know, before we were in um, North Sound Church, uh, my family spent a little time in Uganda. So while this course is going on, I brought a friend from Uganda who is now working with the office of the prime minister. And he says, Robin, this is what we're missing in Uganda. We have money from the UN and the World Bank, 125 million. And this is the third time we've been implementing this thing. Come and teach this course. So we're like, all right. And the government's going to pay for it. So we did. Three times the government has paid for us to come and do the training. It went from there to Rwanda to, it's in Malawi, it's in Bhutan, it's in Kenya, it's in India, and we're even doing it locally. Seriously, this is not me. I do not have my MBA, but thousands of people now, over a thousand people have been through the training. Dozens and dozens of businesses have started, and I have a picture for you of one group. This group of older gentlemen came to our training that guy on the right, and you'll see when the video plays in just a minute. They were in a village at the end of the road, but past that village, okay? Nothing happened. In fact, the people in that area said, we believe God made us this way. We are cursed, and we are going to die this way. But when, when we go, we say, God has placed you in this community to be the solution to breaking poverty. Not the UN, not the World Bank, You. And we just give them a tool. These guys go back to their village. They say, what are we going to do? So they gathered together, and they said, let's do mass production of agriculture goods. And they did. They got 120 people together. That went to 700 people. That's representing over a couple of thousand people now who are mass producing, so much so that the government heard about it. 
took one of those big road graders and made a road out to their village so that they could, uh, 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 the trucks and lorries could come and they could load up. These guys are doing such an amazing job. When we came into the village, listen to what happened here. They were singing a song when we came and they sang, there is no more suffering in Achoa, in our village. We, we were overwhelmed because it's like, this was not me. This is what God is doing. And many of you, it's the same thing in your business. It's not you. You're not qualified. You're not good enough. Most of us feel like Moses. I can't even speak. Right? I'm stuttering. I don't have an MBA. What, what in the world? God wants to use you. He's a seal in the uh, lives of believers with the young people who've gone. Have you ever been to Chuck E. Cheese, right? And you go play those games and those tokens. Now it's that other uh, adult Chuck E. Cheese that was just built up here. What's that called? At the mall? Doug, Dave and Buster, same thing. You get these tokens and then uh, you... Is that the prize? No. You take these and you redeem it. The Holy Spirit says you are sealed with a guarantee of redemption. You've been given these things to redeem for salvation, but it's the Holy Spirit that seals that upon your and my life. He helps in our weakness and intercedes for us. He makes believers new and grants us eternal life. The Holy Spirit sanctifies and enables good fruit in our lives. He guides us. I'm thankful for Millie, who's here today. Millie came up. Uh, you can show that picture. That was just fun. Okay, I'll just pause. This is one young lady who came to her training. I forgot to mention it a few minutes ago. Her brother actually came. Medium income is $2 a day. She never finished school. They went through our training. She now has two acres that can produce twice a year. They're going to make $6,000. We didn't even give them any microloan or nothing. Just slide that in there, okay? Coming back to Millie. Millie approached me a couple of weeks ago and said, I don't have any kids, but there's a, a neighbor. Their house is full of kids. I just, I just feel that the, the Holy Spirit is leading me. Can, can I... Can I ask one of them if they could go to summer camp? And uh, absolutely, Millie. The Lord is leading you to do this. And she did. She provided a scholarship. This young man came. He was in those pictures. I prayed with him at one point to begin his journey with Jesus Christ. Now it's about discipleship, right? It's about helping him understand what this means. But the Holy Spirit, Millie, there's an opportunity. And that's what the leading of the Holy Spirit is like for all of us. You don't know what to do. Yeah, we already know what to do. Love your neighbor. See someone sick, go care for them, right? Thirsty, in prison, naked. We already know what to do. 
We don't need a shove by the Holy Spirit. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit. And the opportunities are all around us. So finally, how can we be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, first and foremost, the experiencing the Holy Spirit is truly experiencing God's love. In Romans 5, 5, it says the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. At camp, one of our young men, actually it was Josiah, I saw him and other students, they were praying for each other, and it was super cool. It's like, yes. They're praying, and students were praying for one another. Girls were praying for the, each other, and it was fantastic. And then, then as I'm scanning the crowd, it's like, okay, where did you go? Where did you go? Because You know, you're keeping your eyes on where your students are at in the throng. Of, of, and he was, he was sitting in, in, in a chair, and other students were now praying for him. So that's cool. That's cool. So I go up to him after, and the guy... And he's weeping. I'm like, are you okay? You're like, what's what's happening? And as I approach him and ask him that question, he's laughing at the same time. He's both weeping and laughing. I said, what's going on? He goes, I don't know. I experienced the overwhelming presence of God in such a tangible way. I couldn't move my arms. I was completely, I was. It was numb. It was good. It was amazing. And all the way back to the cabins, he was like. <gasps> just couldn't believe it. And I said, Josiah, you experienced something very special, a closeness through the Holy Spirit. Write this down and never forget. Some of us have had experiences like this before. Could be at camp. There may be a time when you spoke in, in tongues or had that gift or you experienced him in different ways and you didn't speak in tongues, but that's all good. And, but it's been a long time. And yet this morning as we stand together, we sing, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come fill this place with your atmosphere. We sing it. And I pray you desire it. From the early church, the coming of the Holy Spirit set off a series of events the world has never seen. Peter, who just before had denied Christ, now stands up and preaches 3,000 people get saved on that very same day as he's filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And then what he says, I think, is very significant because he says this promise to the crowd is for you and your children. Not just for you who are here, whose kids couldn't make the trip, but it's for your children. It's for the next generation and not just for them, it's for all who are far off, the next generations, for all whom the Lord our God will call. So he's saying this promise is for you and your grandparents and your parents, and it's for you and your children and your grandchildren and their children. I appreciate in the Alpha course as we get ready to close how Nikki Gumbel says, it's important to know this, that while the Holy Spirit is a promise and gift to all, and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit is available, not all Christians, he says, speak in tongues. Okay? There are no first-class Christians and second-class Christians. I've been, I speak in tongues and you don't. No. It's not the most important gift. 
But the reason why it's such a focus on Alpha and why we need to talk about it is because we read about it in the New Testament, and for many of us, it has been our experience. It's often the first, Nikki goes on to say, first of the more supernatural gifts of the Spirit that people receive. But having once spoken in tongues or continuing to speak in tongues is not necessarily evidence that we are living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I brought this just as an example. That this just reminds me of we're a vessel, right? We're, we're a vessel. And yet the vessel can't shine a light by itself, can it? It needs to be filled with something. What Paul talks about when it comes to tongues, and we're just going to talk a little bit about it because that's kind of one of those things that we think about. He talks about human and angelic tongues. Angelic tongues are different from human tongues. Some, Paul said once, he says, uh, he says, my spirit prays, but my mind is unuseful. Right? I don't really know what I'm saying. In other words, it, he was having a prayer language can be like a direct link with God that we just spend time with him in that way. Human tongues are when God gives us a specific language that we've not learned, but it's recognizable. That's what we read about in Acts chapter 2. They all heard their own language being spoken and they freaked out. They marveled. I was talking with someone just yesterday. Someone in her prayer group shared a story about this. And she said, in the prayer group, one of the people says, I'm a contractor. I do upscale houses. In fact, one of the ones I did was for Paul Allen. And while I was doing that, the topic of this came up with the assistant. And we were just talking about this. And I mentioned that God's given me a specific language, and it's French. And she's like, come on, show me. He's like, all right. So he did. And he prayed for her in the language that he felt God gave her, uh, him. And, uh, and when he concluded, he says, now here's the deal. I'm, I don't know French. You have to tell me what I'm saying. And she shockingly said to him, you just told me how very much God loves me. And it just blew her away. Missions is full of stories like this in different cultures and different languages. Before coming to North Sound Church, I had a friend uh, that prayed that God would give him the gift of tongues. And he was in uh, a church that really emphasized that probably more than other things. And he's like, it's just not working and very frustrated. Okay? And then one day, as we're just in, in uh, relationship, he, he helped with sound for us and whatnot. His, his son got really sick. His five-year-old son had cancer. And the doctors at Children's Hospital tried and tried and tried. And then one night we got that call. And myself and another pastor ran down late at night to the hospital at the same time, the father who was at home taking care of the other kids 
got in his car and came down, knowing that the time was close. And as he's coming down, crying out to God for his son, the Holy Spirit meets him. And he speaks in tongues for the first time. And the only time. And what that did in his life as they grieved the loss of their son, he knew that God was with him in a very dark place. And that experience with him carried he and his wife to be able to minister to countless people, families who also lost their little ones. So how can we receive the Holy Spirit? We ask. And we receive. In Luke 11, Jesus says, For everyone who, for everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Everyone kind of means everyone. And in the next verse, he gives one of the clearest passages in regards to his intention for you. He says this to the people. If your children ask for a fish, will, will you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, will you give them a scorpion? A scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, and, and we're not a really good group all the time, Jesus is saying, if you can go give good gifts, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to them who ask him? It's what it says in Matthew, but here it says, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He says, if you ask for the Holy Spirit, he's going to give you the Holy Spirit. We sang this morning, Holy Spirit, come and fill this place, not this piece of property, but this place. Holy Spirit, when we sing, come fill this place, fill this place. So we ask him. And we receive. And then we go practice. We go love our neighbor. We go and then we leak. And then we come again and we say, Holy Spirit, I need you to fill me. Fill me to the brim. In fact, that's what the word means. It means to fill our heart and our mind. But it's, it's in a way, it's a passive voice. voice it's, it's called playroo. It's to fill to the brim, to make complete in every particular way, to abound, and it's an ongoing thing. So in this passage, if you remember Ephesians 5, 18, don't be drunk in wine, but be filled continuously with the Holy Spirit. So as we give out, as we love our neighbor and, and do this and do that, we come against the Holy Spirit. I need you. I'd like to invite the worship team to come on up, and I know we've gone long, and I thank you for your patience but this is probably one of the most important things we need to be reminded of so that we can be effective in the community which God has given us. Would you stand with me now as we pray together? Father, first of all, we thank you for your incredible love for us. You have poured out your spirit upon us and we are able to say, Daddy, you've adopted us. You're making us more and more like you. 
Father, many of us have had an experience with you in times past. We've experienced this. For others, we've been a little nervous and shied away from experiencing the fullness. For all of us, I pray that we would recognize our need to be filled by your Spirit. So often we come up front, we pray for healing, fully expecting that you can heal. And I pray for the same thing, a full expectation that you can once again fill, or for the first time, fill. For some of us, like in the early service as we worship you, we may sense you in a real and powerful way. Others, it may be on a drive home as we're worshiping or as we're quiet by ourselves in that chair, reading your word. But your promise is that you will meet us. Father, we desire to receive the gift of your Holy Spirit afresh, again, for the first time.